to the, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, the first chapter. If you're visiting our Pew Bibles, it's on page one, it starts renumbering. We have an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. This is the beginning of the New Testament. In Matthew, the first chapter, verses 18 through 25. Perhaps one of the most famous people of all time, Joseph, and yet sometimes we misunderstand the remarkableness of this man. Together as God's people, let's read together this very familiar story. But as you read, listen carefully, you're reading God's Word. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The sins the reading of God's holy word, heaven and earth will pass away, but that never will. But we do know a few things. And this morning, before we come to this table of a covenant of the son that God chose for Joseph to raise through Mary, the question is, what do you think was going through his mind when he had no clue what was going on? As we go through our Advent season, we have a couple little vignettes, perhaps peeking into what was going into the hearts and minds of these people. My name is Joseph, and my fiancé is going to be the mother of God. <sighs> um, I'm just a carpenter. I, I, I make farming implements, uh, you know, for oxen mostly. Uh, I had made arrangements to take Mary as my wife. And then I discovered that she was already with child. When um, Mary told me her story about the angel appearing to her, um, I must admit I was a little skeptical. Uh, matter of fact, I laughed. And then I got angry. I didn't, well, who would believe such a tale? Still, not wanting to disgrace her, I was planning on putting her away secretly. But then something happened last night. <clears throat> An angel appeared to me. 
I wish I could describe it to you. The sight alone was awesome. But when he spoke, I had never heard words that sank so deeply into my soul. He never touched me. But the power in this messenger of Yahweh laid me flat on my face. And then he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, because it is he who will rescue his people from their sins. And then he was gone. Why Mary? Why me? Um, Our people have waited for thousands of years, from Abraham to David, from from David to the Babylonian captivity, from, from the rebuilding of the temple until now. Why us? Why now? In a few months, Mary and I must prepare for the census. Rome decrees that we must go to the city of my birth, the city of David, to be counted. Now, the trip will not be a difficult one for me. But by then, Mary will be great with child. Now, what if she gives birth in Bethlehem? How will we find a midwife? And, and how will we bring one so small back home? And uh, what kind of a man will this child grow up to be? How is he going to become king? Will he raise up an army? I'm not a soldier. I, I, I work with my hands. I, I know how to see that which is unformed, to see the strength in it and, and hone it and and shape it into something more than it was. I, I can do that. But I'm afraid that I am not the carpenter to mold a king. <laughs> Life, uh, so uncertain, you know. One can never know what tomorrow will bring. This I do know. And I know this now more than ever, that the Lord God of Israel is real. That he is watching over us. And we are to bear his son. So, come, Emmanuel, little king, whom I will raise as a son, but who will never truly be my own. Savior of the world, come quickly. And that's as much as we know about Joseph. Joseph, the word that we use, carpenter, the Greek technon, we get technology from that. He no doubt did work with wood, but there's not a whole lot of wood. He probably also was a craftsman as well as with stone. And the question is, you know, as we look at these characters of Christmas, and not just the events around their life, but the character qualities of them, Joseph, I think who is kind of, if you will, the George Harrison of the Holy Family. 
As everyone is saying and grieving uh, Harrison's death and it is the quiet beetle. As you look at the Holy Family, there's a lot about, of course, all the other characters, but we always have Joseph kind of quietly at the back of the nativity scene. And yet I think he may have been one of the most remarkable men who ever lived. What we do know about Joseph, Luke describes... Now, Joseph was a righteous man. The Greek word dikios, but the Hebrew word sadik, a righteous man. And sadik means not just somebody who does what is right, but somebody who has the faith in the middle of very difficult times to trust God enough to do what is right. And Joseph, as we get ready to come to this table, I think there's two areas we need to look at our own heart. Joseph was sadiq. He was righteous when it was dark. He could not piece together what in the world God was doing, and yet he was obedient. And Joseph also was sadiq. He was righteousness. He trusted God in the middle of the difficult, very, very hard times for he and his family. And if we want the blessing of being a righteous woman, a righteous man of God, and there is such a blessing in that, Joseph is perhaps one of the great... Great people to study. If you have your Bible, turn with me back over. Let's look a little closer at this wonderful account of Matthew. Now, as you remember, Matthew, what he did for a living, he worked for the IRS. He was a tax collector for Rome, very methodical. He has five great discourses of Christ, and then he has teaching in between. If you want to know what it is to be a disciple, I always tell people, read the book of Matthew. And as Matthew is explaining, written by a Jew to Jews, that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the prophecies in the Old Testament, it starts off and it says in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, the word the other King James betrothed, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure you know throughout the years you've been taught that a betrothal is a legal time. Josephus, the Jewish historian, will talk very often of a widowed virgin. And you'll think, wow, that's a bad marriage. <laughs> and what, what he is talking about is that very often you were legally bound together. And if one of them died, it was the same as being a widow or a widower. So he is already legally bound to marry. And yet, all of a sudden, before they come together, as we saw acted out, she found that she was with child. Now watch this. Her husband Joseph being Sadiq, and you have and unwilling, I believe that Greek verb is yet unwilling. If he was Sadiq, that means he would do what God called. At the extremes of adultery, you were killed. Mary could have been killed for being pregnant. At the best, she would be driven out in shame. What was Joseph supposed to do? And yet he so loved Mary that he resolved to honor God and yet quietly send her away. And there have been some great love stories. Romeo and Juliet from literature. Certainly Cleopatra and Anthony. Napoleon and Josephine. But I think Joseph and Mary may have one of the great love stories that the world overlooks. He is going to do what is right and yet he's going to take care of his Mary. And you know, we need people today that so honor God. And gentlemen, I want to talk to us this morning. We need Sadiq men. 
We need men that are men of their word and of God's word. Gentlemen, we need men that are gathered together and say, I am going to honor the Lord with not only my mouth, but with my body. And if there is a crying need today as people to know how to sexually understand God's call in their life. And I can't imagine, I, you know, for those of you that are single today trying to honor God, I can't imagine how hard it is. I was reading one of the tours to Israel one time and, the, and a female Jewish guide, Gila, and she was an attractive lady and I asked what it's like leading Christians around, and she said, it's better than the other tours. And I said, well, what's that? And she was talking about somebody was there kind of in a, I guess it was a hotel tour agency. And there were some guys there, and one guy in the back of the bus kept hitting on her and flirting with her. And another guy in the front, likewise, who had been enjoying the local brews there, was flirting with her. And they kept saying, you know, here's the key to my hotel room. They didn't know about each other. And she went to the back when it came to the next tour stop. She told me, and he, one of them handed her his key. And so she took it, and he just smiled. And she walked to the front of the bus and handed his key to the other guy and said, Now don't be late. <laughs> I wonder if it ever happened. Who knows? But I can't imagine what it's like to try and that. And yet God calls us to this and we have this encouragement with people like Joseph. You know, Joseph is like his namesake. Who is the only patriarch that we have recorded no record of any prayer to God? Joseph. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all we have records of their praying. Joseph, we don't have that. God speaks to Joseph in dreams. Remember? And this Joseph, who, how does God speak to him? In dreams. An angel appears to him in a dream. Take Mary. An angel appears and says, get up and go to Egypt. An angel appears to him in a dream. Go back to Israel. The poor guy can't even get a night's sleep. But because in these dreams he is being obedient to God. He didn't understand, but you know what? He knew there was a God who did understand. In Bel Air, I tell you, God is going to take us into places in our lives individually and as a family together and as a city as we try to step across and build relationships across racial and economic and denominational lines, as we try to bring healing and stand with our brothers and sisters in our presbytery, as we try to move out in the times that will make any sense, but we know that God knows. And obedience bears fruit. Joseph was Sadiq in the dark, and Joseph was also Sadiq when it was difficult. Advent is a time when we celebrate not just the first coming of Christ. Do you know it's a time to prepare because we're all going to face Christ. Every one of us in here, we're going to stand before the Lord someday. We're going to stand before Him as our Savior, or we will stand before Him as judge. Everybody gets a new body, which I praise the Lord for. <laughs> and when we stand in front of Him, it's either going to be into eternal life, or it's going to be into eternal judgment. And the reason we are having a service next week for our friends in prayer is because do you know what is at stake? But Christ has said, I will not leave you alone. You know, God never intended the world should have the horror that's going on. And all the terrorism, and the rape, and all the economic oppression, and the disparity. And it will not always be that way. Sin is coming to the world by us and by our rebellion. But God has promised, I will send a Redeemer. And Christ is going to come back. Every generation has thought they were the last generation. But I want to tell you, someday the last on the deck is going to be dealt. And Christ is going to come back. Now, we don't know what it would be. There's kind of hints. As Christ said, I will not leave you off guard. 
And certainly as we look at our time, my goodness, everything always centering around the nation of Israel, as you watch the world going from crisis to crisis, and yet the explosion of the gospel, I don't know, Christ may not come back for 300 years. I personally think it very well could be in our lifetime. And in the great revealing, you know, the apocalypse. Apocalypse means to pull the curtain off. Last night, if you were sleeping and your husband and wife rolled over and took their covers, they apocalypsed you. <laughs> That's what the word means. And uh, the great revealing, someday Christ will come and reveal what he has been doing. And in the meantime, we can trust him, even when it's difficult. I want to tell you there is a time in your life and mine where you go on by faith and faith alone or you will go back on your faith. There will come a time, and if it has not come in your life yet, you mark my words, it surely will. Where the only thing that makes sense is your trust in Christ. And if you think, why should I trust Christ? I point to you to this empty cross. And I point to you to this table that says... Even in difficult times, you can be Sadiq. Joseph, my goodness, first he stands with Mary. She says she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. An angel said this is true, but you know, how does he know? And yet he chooses to take her as his wife. The hardship, they have to go to Bethlehem. The hardship of the birth. And then having to flee from the madman Herod. Having to live in Egypt those early years. And then having to go back and to become to Nazareth with all the ridicule back home where people had originally shamed them. And somewhere along the line, we do not know where, but Joseph died. Now, the reason we know that is there's not only not a mention of him anymore, but the family traveled with Jesus, why he was the eldest, and the eldest was the provider for the family, as Mary and his brothers and sisters, who mocked him to his face even up before the cross, Somewhere along the way, the great craftsman by the name of Joseph went home. And I tell you, his obedience. Do you know who taught Jesus the scriptures? Joseph. They didn't have Sunday school in synagogue at that time. It was a family. Can you imagine how hard it would be to raise a sinless child? I can't. I tell you that. Uh... A child that had to be taught but yet had no rebellion within them. Jesus fell as a toddler and cried. He stubbed his toe all the time and yet completely open. Who poured the truth of God into this little life? Joseph, a simple blue-collar worker, a great man of God who is Sadiq. And you know, in this world, when it's tough, that's why... As you, God calls us to places to honor Him, not when it's easy. The question of whether we are Sadiq, do you financially honor God? Not when you've got abundance. Give me a break. Anybody can honor God out of abundance. But when it's tough, do you financially honor Him? Do you love the lovely? Jesus said anybody can do that. I want you to love the obnoxious. And if you don't have any obnoxious friends, I'll give you a list of them if you'd like. Can you, when the middle of the busyness of life, put a handle on it and stop and come in prayer and worship before the Lord? That's what Sadiq is. And gentlemen, there was a lot of fatherlessness in the time of Jesus. But it was from death, not divorce or desertion. 
And gentlemen, I want to tell you that we need godly men who are sadiq, who stand by their word and by their families. Now, ladies, you're going to be getting years when we study Mary, but this morning, <laughs> we're going on with that. And gentlemen, if you're out there dating, do you leave them better than when you found them? That is the question that God calls us to. Sadiq. He trusted when it was dark and he didn't understand and he trusted when it was difficult. And how in the world can we trust God in this confusing, inexplicable land we are in? You can trust the leader. And that's what this table is all about. There's a wonderful story told by Basil Mitchell. Basil Mitchell was a came through World War II, an Englishman, and he talked about those that were conquered in France and trying to come against the Nazi regime, and he told a parable of the resistance leader. A hundred, maybe a thousand times, the resistance leaders would come, and they would meet you, and if you wanted to fight against the Nazi Germany, they would say, let's meet in a bar, and I will meet you one time. And you would sit there, and they will say, sit down and say, you will never talk to me again face to face. I will give you two hours right now to ask any question you want of me. Any references, any questions, anything you want. If you join us, you will never talk to me again. At times you will see me dressed as a Gestapo agent. You will see me doing things that make no sense to you. For every person I arrest, you'll have no idea that I'm setting them free when I drive them out of town. At times I'll do things that make total sense. At other times you will not understand at all. But you ask any question you have right now. I'll keep in contact with you, but we'll never talk again. Is that unreasonable? Not in a time of war. Jesus likewise, our great leader, says, If you have any questions, whether I love you or whether I can take care of you, that's what this table is all about. If you doubt that my love, look at my broken body. If you doubt I have the ability to change things, look at my resurrection. This is a table of where we do our covenant. You come to God and bring Him your life, and He brings us His. What a great Savior that's coming back. We want to be found faithful when He does. Let's prepare our hearts for this table right now. We'll remain seated and sing together our hymn of preparation, just the first verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And at this time, I'd like to ask our elders if they would be coming forward as we prepare this and our heart for this moment. Let's sing this first verse together.